Welcome back to Spectrum Sundays, where we introduce professionals and self-advocates who play an important role in the autism community. And this week, we are so excited to welcome back to our series, Chris Winger, who is the speech dude, better known as. Um, he's also a fellow autism advocate and a very accomplished speech language pathologist. Thank you for visiting with us again today, Chris. You got it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me back on as a guest. Absolutely. We had so much fun with you last time. So we're really looking forward to getting to know a little bit more about what makes you tick and what makes you who you are. So we recognize that this year has not been easy for many working professionals and especially for the autism community. So what are some ways that you've managed some of the curveballs that have been thrown your way? Um, and what are some people, who are some people that you've leaned on for support? Gosh, um, yeah, there have been a lot of curveballs thrown at everybody. <laughs> so, um, gosh, you know, there could be a lot of curveballs thrown my way in a variety of contexts. And so, whether it's the transition onto virtual therapy or the different structures of IEPs or any of that. Oh, gosh, this is going to be such an answer that is not a typical answer that you would probably get on here. But the, the past eight months, I have been huge into meditation. <laughs> it sounds so cheesy on my answer, right? But the question- No, not at all. How do I handle curveballs? I will tell you this much. You will not go out in the community and find somebody who meditates daily who's always in a bad mood. It just doesn't work that way. So I don't see people who meditate constantly getting over dramatic or, you know, getting really overly emotional or having meltdown. I shouldn't say meltdowns, but having extreme emotions involved on something, right? So for me, what it has done is a couple things. And it sounds so cheesy because historically for my belief on it was I would cruise down to the beach and I'd see a guy or, or a girl sitting in the park going, uh, or something with meditating. I'm like, what is this weird stuff? And I was never like in, in thinking I would, I would get into it. I started reading avidly a book a week. The past two years, man, I've been reading like a book a week. And the common theme between successful people and people who can keep their calm and people who can deal with curveballs being thrown at them are also talking about how They've put it into their morning routine for 10 minutes. Some of these people do it for an hour in the morning, an hour at night. I can't do that. But um, that was a huge, huge, huge turning point for me. I can't tell you how big that is for our students on the spectrum. So when there's a curveball thrown at myself or there's a curveball thrown at a parent or there's a curveball thrown at the kids when they're like, man, I don't see my friends anymore. I'm just stuck at home. Meditating is absolutely huge in our world. I don't know why that's not in the accommodations modifications page of the IEP, because if you think about it, when there's an outburst or there's a, you know, a difficulty with this, something that a self-regulation situation needed to happen, the meditating part goes, boom, I need to stop. I need to take some deep breaths. I need to control before I say anything. And then now I can move on. So anyway, to answer the question of the curveballs, that's that's what I've done. And the second part of that question, who have I turned to? It's not necessarily one person, but it's a lot of podcasts and a lot of books. 
guys like Tim Ferriss have a podcast um, and books called Tools of Titans, Tribe of Mentors. Um, guys like, you know, the, the guru of them all, Tony Robbins with a book called Awaken the Giant Within. Um, Jay Shetty's On Purpose. Tom Bilyeu's uh, Impact Theory. All of those things have been huge for me to turn to. So... I think you even mentioned that you had your yoga and meditation corner right behind you. Oh my gosh. I have my, this was on Amazon. It's an actual seat for meditating. Um, it's got these little like, like rice bean type things in the inside. It looks kind of cheesy, but for 30 bucks, it aligns your back and it makes you feel special. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. I love that. Yeah, I mean, you could sit down on a regular pillow or you could sit down on the ground and try meditating, but it's just not the same. That pillow changes everything when it comes to yoga and meditating. I'm going to have to hunt one of those down for sure. Yeah, uh, number one, you cannot meditate if you don't have that exact same one right there. <laughs> You're not allowed just to. Just don't even try. Don't even try. Just give up on it. <laughs> Um, so kind of going back to the topic of how we've been coping with uh, COVID and the pandemic, we've seen a huge surge in our use of social media throughout the world. And we do know that it can be a beneficial tool for individuals and families to easily access, uh, access a variety of resources. So what are some of the resources that you love to go to that are autism related or even uh, speech language pathology related? Your audience is a variety of um, parents and therapists and really in the world of, of autism, I have a friend through social media who is an IEP coach. Um, her Instagram page and her stuff is amazing. Her name is Catherine Witcher, spelled with a C. And then her last name is W-H-I-T-C-H-E-R. So she's on Instagram. Now, here's what's unique about her. She has a brother who was on an IEP and saw goals that weren't really goals that she felt were going to help him out for life. And um, so she covers the end of, you know, being a, a family member and also being a special ed teacher and really seeing it from all sides of the table. If you're going to be successful, or I shouldn't say successful, if you're going to make sound goals and recommendations and help kids, then being able to see everything from all viewpoints and all perspective is, is huge. And so she constantly posts these like quotes with, different strategies for parents and therapists. And um, yeah, she, she's outside of the world of, of speech pathology. She's in the world of special ed in, in general, but man, I am telling you, I just love it. She just gets it. Sometimes you just meet people and you go, this person gets it. Like you get my world. You just know it. You just totally get it. I just love that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I think you bring up, oh, I'm sorry, Megan. I was just going to say, I think you bring up a good point that no matter what perspective we're coming from, whether it's special ed, speech language pathology, 
um, a gym teacher or a soccer coach, we have to be looking at the child or young adult as a person and holistically. And how are we helping them create success in every aspect of their life, not just when we're seeing them for however long we're seeing them? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I only provided that one resource. I would imagine that a lot of your audience members know about this, but if not, social thinking really gets it too. So Michelle Garcia Winner is the founder of this. And so there's socialthinking.com. She has a blog and she constantly updates that. But the individuals that she connects with that are part of her organization, like Carrie Weber and Pamela Crook and um, Sean Sweeney and some of these, and Sarah Ward. I mean, they're really, they really get it. These people understand where the kids need help the most. And it's just a great resource to have. She has a newsletter that gets sent, I want to say maybe about once a week, but um, that's definitely worth a mention too, because my school of thought and my way of working with kids is right along those same lines on how we get kids to be successful um, with the social world, how to navigate those barriers. And so definitely worth a mention too. Thank you for sharing all those. I will definitely be looking into the ones that I'm not as familiar with. And it's like Francesca said, it's so beneficial to hear those different perspectives and not stay just within our own profession because we do look, we do work interprofessionally and collaboratively with all these different professionals. So that's extremely valuable. But going along with this theme of social media, we talked in our previous episode with you about how important it is to empower individuals themselves to advocate for themselves and then building on their own community. And within social media, you can really build a network and a really good following for these individuals to do that themselves. And we also know that you have a strong following on social media. So we wanted to know what a piece of advice you might have for someone to build that strong network on social media. There's, <laughs> I don't know, you know what? The social media thing is kind of unique to each individual. But for me, I have found success in switching from what I had done two years ago to present day, which is this, when I come up with topics or when I come up with a, a silly video or when I post something, I try my best to not make the post about me. I could say, hey, look what I did in the community. Look what I did here. Look what I did for this kid. Look what I did. You know, we, we could all do that, right? I try to shift it to say, look what's going on in the community and look what are what you guys can do to also help the community. Or, you know, I do my little cheesy fun things too, but again, it's not about me. It's about making fun of, of an entire thing too. Sometimes when I do cheesy things, you know, like the Zoom meeting things, I did one when I had a mask on and I was like, all right, we're gonna work on facial expressions. What's my facial expression now? So it's something that's relatable. Create content that's relatable to others where everybody else goes, man, I totally am in that situation um, and helping others, right? It's kind of like what we talked about on the last podcast when I was with you guys was, you know, do your best to help others who need the most help. And also um, building the network comes by that very concept. 
helping others, not helping ourselves. You know, it's funny. And since we're on that topic real quick, I'll tell you what doesn't help. And I see it happen sometimes. Anybody can go buy followers. You can go for like 30 bucks and buy 10,000 followers. The algorithm is going to pop up and those 10,000 followers that you bought are going to drop to 5,000 followers. And people are going to look and they're going to go, well, how does this person have 10,000 followers and they're only getting 30 likes on a post or they're buying likes and they're getting 500 likes, but they're not getting engagement. And people see that and they see it as fraud. It's just a very, very bad thing to get involved in. There are, and it happens to me more than you guys could imagine, but the chains of tagging people to get in these follow chains, right? And what that what does that mean? It really it shows people that you're trying to build followers versus trying to build a trying to help the community. And so with myself, I stay far from that because I want to be genuine and I want people to know that my content and my followers are there because they like what I do, not because they're paid for and not because I got on a follow chain or any of that kind of stuff. And that is really, really a critical thing. It's better to have 500 followers and have 10 people comment on your post and engage on that than to have 50,000 followers and have maybe 20 people comment. Because who cares at the end of the day, if you have 100,000 followers, you want engagement because you want to know that you're doing good for the community or good for whatever it is that you're working towards, whether it's selling flowers or selling a diet product or you're selling um, or you're trying to get ideas and concepts out for the world of autism. Um, it, it, it's really, we, we got to do it for the benefit of others. Right. So a couple, couple things to touch on that point. <laughs> yeah. I think it comes down to authenticity, staying true to yourself staying true to your values. And I think uh, you didn't explicitly say this, but um, when you switch the language from yourself to how can we work together as a community, that is a strong uh, quality within a leader. And I think it's safe to say that everyone on social media can be social media influencers. And what we say and post absolutely matters. It has a ripple effect. Um, and this leads really nicely into our next question, because I know that especially for Megan and I, we don't have autism, but we advocate for autism on social media. And it opens up a lot of opportunities for criticism, which is valid because there's a lot of things that we don't know that the world doesn't know. There's still a lot of research being done in the field and to be done. So what do you think are ways that you found um, or strategies you found to be effective to connect to a variety of backgrounds? and perspectives, especially within our field. So yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, the more people that connect with you and follow you, you're definitely gonna get criticism, right? <laughs> I get a lot of that. Sometimes I'll get inboxes and I'm like, wow, man, I was just kind of joking around on that topic. I didn't realize I could get so, so much grief on that one. Um, so I, let me answer that first part. And then follow up with the second part, because I think about, I, I do think about when I post certain things, not everybody's going to love everything you post. That's just the nature of it. JK Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, before she got her contract, you probably, you guys probably know the story, but I think I want to say it was like 210 
times she put it out to publishers and they all turned her down and said, nope, we don't want this. She was going through a divorce at the time. So she was living in this small hotel and writing the stuff in this cafe, being miserable through her divorce, getting told that her book sucks. So nobody picked it up. And then, you know, she got the publisher and hugely successful. And the more successful that she got, the more criticism she got. That's the way the nature of it works. She said, in order for people to love you, others must loathe you. The more people that love you, you're absolutely going to have people that loathe you. I have to know that. That's what gets me through the day. You know what? If people don't like what I'm doing, that means I'm doing something right. <laughs> you know, whenever I have haters or I get a comment, it makes me feel good because I know I'm on the right track. If I'm not getting any haters, then that means I'm not, <laughs> I'm not reaching all the, all the positive people too. I think Jesse said something similar last time when we met with her and she said, you can either be well-liked or change the world, but it's nearly impossible to have both. Oh, yep. She definitely got that from me. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> she would love that because sometimes when I do quote things or I say stories, I get it from her. She's like the smartest person in the world. So I can't wait till she watches this and goes, what? Because uh, <laughs> she's always like, where did you get that one? Chris, I'm like, okay, I got this, stole it from Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, you hit on something that's kind of important to, to think about whenever there's criticism, that's an opportunity to have a good discussion, even like whether or not you decide to respond to that type of criticism, there's always an opportunity to give a moment of education if that's appropriate and then otherwise for your own web well-being you can let it go and then just know that you're positively impacting the other people the other thousands of people that responded positively to it as well um so we talked to you previously about your journey to becoming an slp what are your life or career go goals from this point forward what do you hope to accomplish i've got adhd so I have like a million things I want to accomplish. I've got them going everywhere. If I were to narrow it down into one career goal, hmm, I would like, this is such a perfect thing for me to be on with you guys because, um, because it relates to everything that you guys do. I, in the last episode, we talked about me being a male SLP and it's kind of like, you know, I'm kind of the unicorn in the field. There's not many of us and I work with high school kids and I just feel like I've got this pretty solid ability to literally, I could, I could know if somebody, well, I, I know how to help kids real well. And so moving forward, one of the things I would like in my life is to start a coaching business on kids who graduate and how and a dating service on how they can get out there and get a date because when these kids graduate sure they've got job coaches through regional centers and they've got transitional skill or transitional programs and all that stuff but you know what they don't have they don't have a dating coach and i am the perfect dude to help that <laughs> out i'm telling you so that's what i would really like to do there's that show love on the spectrum i talked about last um 
in the last episode and it's a Netflix series about individuals on the spectrum that go out and date and that was in Australia but man I am telling you I would be so good at that and I would have so much fun there's just so many things that I would just run with on that like all right you guys here's what and you know it would be it would, it would be just so much fun for me and for them <laughs> well we hope that Netflix is watching they can sign you on to their American version of love on the spectrum that'd be so cool <laughs> I reached out to them and because they already have a season two coming out they're from Australia and they said they're going to keep me in mind and keep an eye open for season three uh, if they transition out here because they did do a couple things over at the UCLA peers program um, with the individual that runs it um, and I'm actually moving to Los Angeles so um, so we'll see what happens and, um, but I've got some other plans, career goals definitely would be something to, I want to hit on that area though, but I still love That's working so cool. with high school kids and I still want to continue my career, probably end out with my career, you know, working in a high school. I just love it. That's awesome. So for, um, a lot of our viewers, they're new professionals, um, going into their graduate program or maybe just graduating from their master's degree, what, uh, in either education or different therapy fields. So what advice do you have for all of us really? Cause Megan and I are in that same boat um, for entering this field, especially when it comes to working with individuals with autism or different learning disabilities. You know, um, when I had graduated, um, in communicative disorders and had gotten started in on my career, I wanted to really get a good sense of how it was, how the show was ran really as being an SLP working individual, just everything, right? And so I focused in on that and I went to a lot of conferences and webinars and you know where I had slacked and I didn't realize it was such a big thing was the volunteering and becoming part of my state organization. So. I was not, it wasn't until nine years after I graduated that I decided to get onto what, the, what was called the nomination committee for, with, we have different districts in my state, 10 different districts in California that comprise of um, large cities. So you've got like Los Angeles County, San Francisco area, you've got San Diego area, San Bernardino County. So I became an, in that, um, a, a member of that. And I worked my way up to director. And then this year I became the state treasurer. But here's what happened when I decided to, to go that route. I met so many critical SLPs that have knowledge with everything. I met professors, I met authors, I met speakers. And I cannot stress to anybody in this field to become part of your state organization or even in the future becoming part of ASHA. That's your connections, that's your go-to. Um, there's a book called Make Your Bed and in chapter two it talks about when they're out in war and getting through the trenches. You cannot survive in war without having somebody else there. You can't do it alone, right? And that was like the big theme of one of the, of one of the chapters. And so in this field, your connection is going to be in your state organizations. That's going to get you into grad school. 
It's going to get you your guys' externships. It's going to get you knowing who to talk to, to say, here's your medical hours, here's your private practice hours, here's your pediatric hours, and here's your geriatric hours. But you, that's where you do it. Man, I blew it for nine years by not doing that. Now, I know that's the ticket. So, um, so hopefully that helps everybody because that's, that's my answer. <laughs> Yeah, that is super helpful and something that we will definitely utilize. And we're thankful that you even brought that up to us to really hit on the emphasis of how important that how important that is. And we're glad that you figured it out. I mean, nine years is better than never, right? So we keep bringing up this overarching idea of inclusion and, and diversity in different aspects of our life. I mean, right now we're seeing it more than ever in the United States, not just with autism acceptance, but different um, cultural backgrounds, different races. And I think it's important for all of us to practice acceptance in our everyday life, no matter who we're encountering. So if you have any general advice for our viewers to practice that level of acceptance and appreciation and inclusion of one another, what would that be? Yeah, I mean, really, I think it's a mindset thing. You know, I do a lot of reading and a lot of listening to podcasts and a lot of um, watching documentaries and stuff. But really, I think that, yeah, it's really building our own mindset and our own empathy. Um, as we had talked about in the last um, episode, uh, I think that's that's number one, you know, really strengthening our skills on on our own acceptance and our own ability to to connect with others, I think is, is, is a huge thing. Absolutely. Mindset. Right. Um, mindset is everything. That's is. critical for sure. Um, as we speak about different community resources and ways to get involved through social media, um, whenever the world opens back up again, officially, we are hoping to connect our community members that are all across the country at this point at this point um, and give them access to what's available in their community. So outside of social media, what are some ways that families can find something that's happening directly in their community um, to help their children with autism? You know, it varies from state to state. And so I don't know on the East Coast versus West Coast what the titles of them are, but within states, they have the Department of Rehabilitation and they have individuals. So you could go on the website of every state, I would imagine. And the Department of Rehab would probably have some job coaching ideas and different resources, or at least guide a parent or a therapist on what's available through that means. And that's usually ran by the state. So there's also regional centers. And so in the regional centers, those also help um, parents connect with a variety of resources on job coaching as well, or transition programs, or what might be appropriate post high school. And I really would encourage family members to seek out um, the regional center, um, especially because I, I, they, they stop taking applications usually around the age of 17, I wanna say. Um, but yeah, those two things have always been big. When it comes to therapy or speech, um, speech pathology clinics and things like that, asha.org, A-S-H-A.org, um, has just a, a, a huge list of what's available in the local area um, for 
you know, different kinds of social skills programs and, and what might be available at those places as well. Again, it varies from state to state, to county to county, to city to city, because what's in Los Angeles is gonna be a lot different than what's in San Bernardino County out here. Um, but those are definitely some things to Google and explore. Uh, on a high school campus, the special education advisor or the department chair, sometimes they share the same hat and sometimes it's two different positions, but the department chair of any school is going to have the resources of what's out there. That's probably number one. So if it's a parent that's just getting into the world of autism and saying, okay, I just got on an IEP, where are my resources or what do I do? The department chair of the special ed program will know what's available in the community, whether it's at um, a SELPA, a special education local plan act, um, or within a regional center or things like that. So absolutely. Um, and then lastly, on a campus, there is a counselor or an individual who works with 504 plans. And some kids with autism don't always qualify for an IEP, but they might qualify for a 504 plan. That was put in place back in the mid 70s for um, individuals who were in the war who would come back and they needed services to support um, and they needed modifications and things. So if um, you were to contact the 504 coordinator, they have a lot of resources as well. So those are a lot of really good ones right there. Actually, those are probably all of them because <laughs> they're going to connect you to every other resource. They'll say, oh, I got a resource for this, this, and this, but absolutely those are who to reach out to. I think that's perfect because I, uh, from some of the feedback I've gotten from parents of newly diagnosed children, um, I think it can be overwhelming because there are a lot of resources out there. It's just where do you find a central location with all of them listed out in a way that makes sense? Um, and I think connecting to those professionals who have an insider's knowledge of how those programs and organizations work is a great, great resource for those parents and individuals. So yeah, I think they'll love that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, going back to social media, because I recently saw that you posted a love languages of being an SLP. Um, I think it's a fun way to remember that us as clinicians, we're still people too. And sometimes we need some extra love and support. So how do you think that your work environment shapes you as a clinician and how you treat your clients, especially since we do collaborate a lot with one another and with different uh, departments? So the love languages thing is, is, is really good because, you know, the book, The Five Love Languages, connected essentially to help people in relationships, right? Marriages and things. That was solely what it was for. But then you step out of it and you go, well, what are the love languages of an SLP? Like, I would just love those things that I talked about. Words of affirmation. Hey, Chris, you're doing a great job um, on your IEP goals. Or um, gifts. Hey, Chris. I just got you a teacher's pay teacher's gift card or a Starbucks gift card for helping my child or whatever it might be, right? And so if we could take that concept and apply it to everything. So what are the love languages of your student with autism, right? Think about that. And if you can think about what their love languages is, is then you can build on that. And if you can build on that and you can build on everybody in your class, meeting, 
department um, meetings, whatever it might be, you can build a community that's effective and that's fun and enjoyable, right? So if I can have social groups and my, and I know each of the love languages of my students. So maybe one of them likes to, to get a lot of um, verbal feedback or praise. Hey, Johnny, you know what? When we play Uno, I know you don't always win, but you always have fun. And I want you to know that when you leave here and you're smiling and you, even when you didn't win, that I really appreciate that, man. I think it's awesome. And you are going to really do well in life, man. And then, you know, if I know that words of affirmation is it, I can shape my environment with whoever it is I'm around, whether it's a department, um, a department that I'm working in, or it's a college class, or it's an organization that I'm, I'm part of. And so, yeah, if we can live day to day, trying to figure those things out and help best, then I think that, that we're doing the right thing. Yeah, I think that's a really useful exercise for all of us to consider and to think about so that we know what to ask for when we're needing a little bit of support, but also implementing that in our own therapy and our relationships so we know what to also give to others because it's always a give and take um, in every single social interaction or relationship. So with so many people worried about what's to come this year, there's a lot of uncertainty and we just wanna make sure to focus on some of the positive things that are coming up. What are some things that you've been doing to remain hopeful during this time or what's something that you're looking forward to this year? <laughs> I love that question. This is gonna be so good. <laughs> um, anything that happens in your life is, is, is good, whatever it is. And so we always have to remind ourselves that no matter what it was, it was meant for a purpose and it was meant to make us stronger. It was a good thing. There's a, there's a two minute clip on YouTube. It's by Jocko Willinks. He's a former Navy SEAL and it's called good. And he just talks about when anything in your life happens, you know, the answer will be good. So he's, he would talk about if you forgot your art, art, um, your, your, your guns or your ammo or whatever, good. That means you're going to double it up for the next time. Um, if you applied for a job and you didn't get it good, that means you're going to strengthen your resume. All of the things that happened to us this year are meant for a good thing. So, um, and, and that's the whole point of being resilient, right? So when the world had transitioned to online and virtual learning, there was a lot of SLPs and a lot of parents and a lot of students that went, oh my gosh, I don't really know technology. I don't know how I'm gonna do this, blah, 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 right? Well, good, because there's opportunity for you to grow. There's opportunity for you to learn, learn new technology. There's opportunity for you to organize yourself better. There's opportunity for you to connect to others in different ways. Look at us right now. Would we have done this a year ago? No. So what has happened is your podcast now is a good thing that the world shut down because now we can see each other and then you can post this on social media and give people a visual. Everything happens for a, for a reason and it's always good. Even if it seems bad at the time, it's meant for a good thing. So to answer your question, what am I hopeful for? I'm hopeful that everybody will recognize that, that this was all meant for a good thing. Because guess what? When we return back in person, we're gonna have way better technology skills 
and we're going to really appreciate our friends. We're going to really appreciate the live interaction that we had in therapy. We're really going to appreciate everything else. So it's all meant for a good thing. Yeah, there's a cliche that says um, you can't control everything in your life, but you can control how you respond to it because you always have a choice. And I think even though it's kind of redundant, we said all the time, I think it's really a great motto to keep in mind, especially as we move forward, because, you know, the current world events aren't just going to end. We're going to, we're no. going to be having to deal with those consequences for many, many more months to come and possibly years. So how can we as a community grow from this and also as individuals? I think that is what you, everything you said is really powerful. Do you, do you know who said that quote? I know what you're talking about, but there's a movie. No idea. <laughs> no, it's from Olaf, <laughs> from Frozen. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He's, he talked about, yeah, it was, it was, there was a part in there where he just talks about exactly what you said. And I'm like, oh, this is from Frozen. You can learn so much <laughs> from Disney movies and from children's books far more than you can the scholarly books that are out there because there's always some type of valuable message that you'll get from it. And the thing that we learned from Olaf is that when bad things happen, there will be good things to come. When there are struggles, it's okay, be resilient, you'll grow from it. I knew isn't I loved that, that hopeful movie. In it, yeah, <laughs> isn't that hopeful in itself just knowing that, that those, are, those resources are right at our children's fingertips, our students' fingertips, and all those things are good. That's an awesome reminder is that they they're in good hands <laughs> it, it's it, the quote is exactly this we're calling this controlling what you can when things feel out of control <laughs> straight up that's what he says <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i i think that is a great point and uh i'm gonna have to rewatch frozen for sure now <laughs> um yeah, absolutely it's a great one so earlier we talked a, a little bit about meditation, but I really wanted to know some other strategies that you found helpful as you're maintaining a busy schedule and how you stay successful and practice your self-care. So you know, like you want like the, the ins and outs of, of, of how I do that. Here you go. I'll rattle them off. I wake up every morning at 5 a.m. every morning. How do I do that on your iPhone? They've changed the iOS system about two months ago. And so on the clock app, there's actually a new sleep schedule that's been updated on it. It's really cool. It alerts me about 45 minutes prior to my bedtime that I set. So I'm not on social media. I'm not having a blue screen or anything like that. And it, and it goes off in the morning without an alarm. It has a subtle little tone that builds up. So I'm not getting startled. I'm not getting like woken up. Because what happens when you set an alarm is it alerts you right when you wake up and you've already screwed up your day if you've woke up poorly. So that's number one, making sure that I'm waking up right. Number two, I have to go to bed right. So if I'm watching Ozarks and somebody's getting, you know, their head chopped off, guess what happens? I get emotionally charged. And when I'm laying in bed, my heart's like, holy crap, I just saw a guy get his head chopped off because the drug deal went bad, <laughs> right? Whatever you watch before you go to bed is going to be how you're going to sleep that night. So if you're watching the Queen's Gambit and it's 11 o'clock at night and there's a pretty involved scene, 
well, you're not going to be getting the world's best sleep at that night. So we have to monitor the types of things we watch right before bed. I'm not saying don't watch Ozark and Sons of Anarchy and Game of Thrones and Queen's Gambit or anything like that, but we just have to find out when to watch it. So, you know, the way you go to bed is how you're going to wake up. Whatever's on your mind when you go to bed will be on your mind when you wake up. Um, I exercise at least 20 minutes every morning when I wake up and it's fantastic for individuals on the spectrum and fantastic for people with ADHD because your brain kind of has all these things going in here and there. And so when I exercise for 20 minutes, my brain can come back and then I meditate for 10. I use an app called Headspace. It's free for teachers, maybe for students as well, but it's guided meditation and you can really pinpoint whatever area of your life you would like. So for example, if you wanted to learn a little bit more about staying focused or having sustained attention, there's guided meditation for that. If you wanted to learn a little bit more about eating right, then there's a meditation for that. And it's like 10, it goes over 10 day cycle. Um, and then, um, and then from there, my day is fueled with energy. So if you've ever wondered, man, this guy's got tons of energy. What, what is he on? He, I'm on a good schedule. <laughs> I'm on a, I'm on a routine. So you gotta be willing to do what 95% of the world is not willing to do, which is, you know, wake up at 5 AM. You've got to be willing to, to put in the effort. You got to build the habits. You can't, you can't do these one-off things. So, um, so that's really what's happened is I've created a habit, not based on motivation because motivation won't do it alone. I think that people go, Oh man, I'm motivated to, to do those types of things. And then it lasts for a couple months and then it tails off. So you got to form the habit. <laughs> so right, check that one right. out, Atomic Habits and Tiny Habits. Two amazing books that will shape your life. When you get some time, squeeze those two in. And remember what's nice about those books, like The Power of Habit is that Historically, we've been taught to read a book from front to front to back, from cover to, to the end of it. But books like The Power of Habit and Atomic Habits and Tiny Habits, um, you could look at the chapters at the very beginning, or the, I'm sorry, the table of contents and go, what applies to my life and what doesn't? And then you can jump towards the middle to pick up on some beneficial stuff. You know, what I had learned with The Power of Habit is that I had tried to read it from beginning to end and I just, my mind started wandering a little bit. <laughs> So I had to jump to the parts I liked. I'm like, okay, there, that's good. And same and with that's a lot okay of books. sometimes. And it's okay sometimes. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. But that is a good book, absolutely. Get to the meat and potatoes, right? <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Well, Chris, we have really enjoyed speaking with you again today. We are always so pleased to meet so many different personalities through Spectrum Sundays. And we really look forward to what our audience is certainly going to gain by our conversation. So just thank you so much for taking the time to be with us again today. I extend my gratitude to you guys for reaching out to me. I really appreciate it. Um, and so I, I hope that you guys um, got some, 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 some good stories from myself and some things that will be helpful. And I am um, looking forward to working with you guys in the future. Absolutely. Thank you. And everybody watching, make sure to check him out on Instagram, TikTok, all of the different platforms at Speech Dude. And we look forward to seeing you next week on Spectrum Sundays.